0: You guys know I do that. You know, you guys know what's up. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is I, your no excuses coach, Christopher Roush, back with another episode of Raw and Unscripted, where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, kick-ass nation, misfits for life. I love you guys. I just want to say that. I just want to start the show by saying thank you. Uh, last week was uh, Thanksgiving here in the United States, and I have to say, one of my biggest tools that I go to in my life to keep me centered, to keep me grounded, to keep me going where I need to be going, not where I've been, is gratitude, is being thankful. And I am so awesomely thankful for each and every one of you, whether you watch us live, whether you watch us on the replay, whether you watch us later on, whatever it is, I massively, massively love and appreciate you because that's what this is about. Raw and scripted, the whole kick-ass thing, what I'm about is all about authenticity, congruency, being real, You know, creating a street team, creating, Uh, A resurgence of people who are just standing up and taking care of themselves for the right reasons, being who they want to be, doing the things they want to do, flying their freak flag. I love you guys for that, for supporting me, for the whole bandana thing, for the swearing thing, for the Ron and scripted thing. What's up, Larry Schneider, seeing you, brother. Thank you so much for being here. You are a rock star. Angel, hello, hello. Great to see you. Thank you so much. So yeah, I just want to start off the show by saying massively how much I am grateful to each and every one of you, supporting the show, sharing the show, commenting on the show, supporting everything that I'm working on. Because quite honestly, this year, 2020 has been a a very very transformative year for me, a very growth-oriented year for me, a very challenging year for me uh, mentally and physically and and other aspects. But you know what? As I look back on the last, here we are in, uh, what is this, December? December 1st. Yeah, December first, right? December first, happy f- December first. So we have gone through eleven months of 2020 with the COVID, with the social injustices, with the presidential election here in the United States. We have been through a lot of different things. I mean, come on, we have gone through the land of where in the fuck is the toilet paper? What's going on with the toilet paper? I mean, come on, really? What is that? And, that, and they're doing it again. It's like, oh my god, if I can't go outside, I can't wipe my ass. Life is going to be over. I don't know. But anyways, so we've lived through all this craziness, right? And as I said, as my witness, you can go back and look at my videos back in March, I said, hey, this is a time for transformation, for reinvention, to really look at what it is that you're doing that you don't like, that you're not happy with, to be able to change what you're doing to get different results, right? We were on lockdown. How many people sat there and said, I have a book to write, and oh my God, I have this opportunity to do it. How many people did that? How many people sat and watched a bunch of Netflix stuff? How many people are coming out of this in a worse shape than they were when they went into it, right? I look at the whole totality of this year as being such a blessing for me to do that inner growth, to do that inner work, but most of all, to talk to all of you guys. Last year, I was in a corporate position. I was not doing this. I was, I was barely doing my podcast every single week and to have the opportunity to be able to connect with you guys, whether I'm doing this show, whether I'm doing the Friday night show with Scott, whether I'm doing my walk and talks, whether I'm doing whatever. To be able to connect with you guys so much and offer the free coaching sessions that I have, to be able to connect with you guys for that hour, that is, I mean, that has been so much fun for me. Yes, I've gained coaching clients out of that, but most of all, I've gained a lot of great friends and learned a lot about the people who trust me to bring them the motivation and the inspiration and the education every week. So I massively love and appreciate you guys all. Uh, Randy Chabby, what it is what it is? What's up, brother? There he is. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm a myth. Yeah, I know. I'm a myth, baby. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, yes, you guys are so awesome. I appreciate you being here. So I'm also excited about my guest tonight. Uh, Pat, I've known Pat for for uh, quite some time now, mostly on, on actual social media. But I was I had the opportunity to be a guest on her show and this conversation that we had back and forth and the, and the genuine connection that we both had. We also have share a connection with our, our mutual friend and coach, uh, Sally Anderson. So thank you, Sally Anderson, for putting us in contact with each other. So I'm excited because we're gonna be talking about reinvention. We're gonna be talking about what you can do to build your confidence, what you can do to take what has happened and use that for you in 2021. I want 2021 to be one of the best fucking years of my life. Hands down. I wanna look back on 2020 and go, man, that, that fucking year catapulted me, catapulted me. Come on. Who wants to be catapulted into success? I know my guest does. What's going on, Pat? Good to see you tonight. Thank you for being here all the way from, where are you at now, You're in Australia. Um,
1: Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. That's right.
0: That's right. Well, so there it's one o'clock in the afternoon, so uh, thank you for joining us uh, in tomorrow land.
1: <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, awesome. Probably a big temperature difference as well. We're sweltering here, actually, in a heat wave at the moment.
0: Oh, really? Well, it was yeah. 80 degrees here, so, I mean, California never switches. I mean, California's either got mildly warm or hot. I mean, <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. So um, thank you so much for being on the show tonight and continuing our friendship and our support of one another, both on LinkedIn and through the programs that we offer. Um, and like I said in the in the intro, and I'm really excited to hear uh, what you have to say to this based on our pre-show conversation there just for a few minutes. Um, I look at, you know, at the, at the time of this taping, we're going through COVID. Um, numbers are actually through the roof now here in the United States. Um, and I kind of shared what my journey has been through COVID and the fact that there's been up and ups and downs and different opportunities for me. How has COVID been for you? And how has it been different being in Australia and watching it in the United States?
1: Um, I, I think it came with a few surprises. I was uh, initially alarmed when it first happened. And then as time progressed, my perceptions shifted a little. And we might talk about that later. Um but I think for me the biggest thing, even though I've been single for some time, I suddenly experienced being alone and loneliness in a different way than it had ever been my experience before, and um, I I kind of realised just how much responsibility I needed to have around that, in seeing that I got what I what I needed. Um, even though I couldn't, you know, leave the house. Um, yeah. And then um, you might have seen um, the very draconian way in which Victoria, one of our states, has handled um, the whole COVID thing. The, mm. um, it's just become a um, almost like a Nazi state. Um, wow. And I really felt Huge injustice uh, in the beginning, and it was big for me. And I thought, "Oh, Pat, actually, you need to, might need to look at this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you know, what's work on this? Yeah, what's going on for you?" And and I revisited my timeline, and there've been a, a number of events, but one that comes up now is I was beaten up on a train once many years ago by. About five or six skinheads, they were called back then, um, and the carriage was actually full of people. Right, it's probably forty people in the carriage, uh, and they just sat there and read the paper or their book or didn't look up uh, while these, you know, young people with you know knuckle dusters and things were just laying into me, um, and that that whole thing of um, the bystander effect. And I'm appreciating, um, when I look out at Australia, uh, there's a lot of that. Mm. And, you know, having some understanding of that, but also it's almost like the lights are going on. Mm. (laughs) Uh, If we had a big map of Australia, you'd kind of see, oh, there's light going on in Darwin. And, um, you know, there's this flickering happening
0: what but do you I mean think the there's going on. People are waking up. People are getting getting woke.
1: Waking up to the story, to the um, to where this is heading in terms of um. I mean, every, so many are using that word sovereignty, but yeah, where that's going, and um, just the draconian laws that have been introduced. We've got um, for, You know why in the middle of an. Ep- pandemic, (laughs) Um, would you suddenly introduce um, abortion is now available up to full term? Hmm. Like, what's that about? Um, In New Zealand, there's euthanasia law just been enacted, and and they've got both actually. Um, And uh, pockets of this kind of, for me, very foreign and very alarming New laws and rules coming in, Mm -hmm. and the degree to which um, people see a lot of people seem absent and unaffected by that. So you know this level of, I'm going to call it blind acceptance, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it is. It's about where 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 you're at, and when you look out, what you see, and of course we're all unique in that perspective. and, yeah, through that little early part of the thing, I it was um, I needed to go back within, do, uh, do a really deep journey and really get present um, to who I am. Last year when we talked, I had black hair or very dark hair with a big grey streak. <laughs> um, and I decided to surrender my need to have my hair dyed and, um, Hence, it uh, the, I love it. the silver crown, and yeah. I'm really, really owning now <clears> the, <throat> this 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 year, my wisdom years, and very attached to um, the, the importance of what it is that we know, and how um, how important our role is.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, those you think those that's my <throat> ego. <clears throat> Excuse me you think that's tied to the ego? Do you think that's tied to the, the validation that we experience as kids that we kind of strive for throughout our lives? How do you mean? Well, I mean, the, the ego, like we need to have this justification. We need to have this particular look. We need to have these things. We're actually been talking about in our group coaching program about needs versus wants and like, you know, I need to be this. It's like, no, I don't need to be this, you know? So is that kind of what you're saying as you're going through that that evolution of being able to see that I don't need to have that persona?
1: Um... Yes, probably. Um, I, I've always loved using my body as creative expression uh, in all kinds of ways. Um, however, yeah, there was, <laughs> I was very afraid if I let the great come through, I'm going to look old, right? And I thought, all right, well, okay, we better have a look at that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and this was the perfect year to allow it to eventuate. And... Um, as it's rolled out, of course, I don't look old. And the just really, I'm just reveling in that, you know, there's a a certain, uh, what do we call it? Just next, next stage, next level, um, evolving self, um, really stepping in.
0: What do you suppose caused that? What's the real, what's the real big leverage point in that? in and letting go and and being being comfortable with who you are because i love that topic i, I obviously i love being who i am and yeah. i love seeing people get to that point but what was that for you being able to say you know what i just don't i don't care what the judgment is i don't care what other people think i feel good being this way i'm happy with this cool yeah what was that for i you? think
1: i think early in the covid experience there was a lot of <clears throat> judgment and condemnation coming in online um if, you know, if I expressed an opinion, um, then I would get a lot of shutdown. And I noticed how I kind of, well, <laughs> uh, better Ted trip carefully here. And then as I think as I saw all the things that were happening in Victoria, and it was a real affront to to my values, I thought, no, I got beaten up on that train and nobody had the courage or the wherewithal, if those 40 people had just stood up and come forward, they mightn't have even had to intervene. It would have dissolved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it didn't happen. And so I kind of felt the same. It's like, um, all right, I'm not down there. It's not <clears throat> It's not in my backyard. However, I can't not be a voice for that. I can't sit here passive and not be a stand for for that experience to be different. Um, and then choosing what's my path to that. And of course, my best way, um, I so see now, is I just need to keep evolving my own consciousness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and yeah. really be um, aligned in that. Yes, I've been distracted often, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, pulled aside, see something, react. Um, but you know, able to, come back in so quickly that I'm not had by it and in that space really been able to um, oh look I think I've just I've just attracted so many unique and different people on my own webcast um, I've drawn into me a couple of experiences that um, really woke me up to a level of naivete that was mm. uh, in a couple of my experiences um, and being able to fairly quickly, I right, initially felt a bit resentful. Uh, and then I made a piece of art <laughs> oh. um, and that piece of art is about um, healing white Australians and the transgenerational wounds they bring through from our assault on the Aboriginal people. So not healing the Aboriginals. So it's a black and white piece. Um, And Mm -hmm. a a person who contributed to that um, was, I had an expectation and it didn't occur. And I noticed I'm feeling resentment and it's like, right, I'm creating this piece of art and it's all about resentment. (laughs) Um, So really being able to, tap into new levels of my creativity. I've painted about four or five significant pieces of art now and they'll be part of an exhibition next year called Mute Appeal, uh, which will bring forth that which people don't want to hear and that which people can't give voice to. Mm. So, yes, a huge, another level of awakening for for creative expression, but Mm. also holding... Um, holding my space.
0: Right. I mean, that's so important. You got. You have to make sure you hold your space. You have to make sure you have life set out in the way that you prefer it to be, rather than the way that other people prefer it to be. That expectations. Talk to us about a time where you had to, where your confidence was at an all-time low, and you had to pivot on something, and you had to trust and have some sort of faith or belief. What got you through that that opportunity to to reinvent yourself or to pivot at a low time in your life, aside from what you had already shared with us before.
1: Um, I think the, the biggest uh, example for me is back at the turn of the century, I had, um, I'd had cancer, I'd lost my first child, I lost my home and business, relocated to another country, owing $80,000, which I actually repaid in two years. Um, my, when I arrived in that country, I actually had 10 car accidents none of which were my fault, honest. <laughs> um, nine times I got hit at a stop sign and another time was collected in a roundabout. So a bit of crash karma happening for me then. And then um, at the end of that two year period, repaying the money, etc. cetera, um, my partner of 20 years left with another woman and his parting words were, no, I don't love you and I never loved you. So at the time, um, I thought if that's true, then if everything I've ever known is not true. And so I disintegrated and everything that occurred for me from that point was all about my reintegration. I don't, when I think um, I reached the lowest ebb of my my soul experience. And in that moment, Um, received divine guidance. Mm. Um, My doctor wanted to medicate me because I was depressed, but I said to her, I have every right (laughs) to be feeling this way, for goodness sake, you know. Mm. Um, And so I found another doctor and um, I, I said to her, you know, why can't you help me deal with my grief? So I went to a grieving seminar. I had a conversation with a magician in South Australia and it was in the conversation with him a little low uh, and that's where the joyologist was born. Um, his voice came to me, oh, my God, Pat, we've got radiology, pathology, hematology, but no joyology. Mm. I'm going to be a joyologist. Rather
0: than joy. What does joy mean yeah. to you?
1: I, th- I think the, the very fact that we can experience that full range the full barometer of human expression I think that's joy when we can be present to that and um, use it as a as a guidance system it's it's you know it's informing us but we need to be present to the nuance of each phase and moment if you like um, and learn to, adapt and adjust. And for me, that's been about building my emotional intelligence and my conversational intelligence. Um, Those final words from my partner, um, I made a commitment that uh, I only wanted my words to ever be a balm for others. And so everything I've done this last 20 years has been very much um, supporting me to evolve and find more expression, and uh, that's in the written word as well as spoken. So to to be getting that, and you know, for for forty years, I've been wanting to find for myself full self expression, working in the face of my doubting self. <laughs> <Isn't> <laughs> my, you fine? know,
0: isn't that fine? Yes. Like I want it. No, you can't have it. I want it. No, I can't have it. Huh, huh, huh. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's why that's why you need great coaches in your life to be able to sit there and say, hey, listen, let's pick it apart. You know, for me, I go back to I want people sit there. I want this. I want this. I'm like the word priority used to be singular. It wasn't wasn't plural. So what is your number one priority in the life and and figuring that out and going from there? Um, So it sounds like you found that in becoming a joyologist. So tell me a little bit more about that.
1: So I had no idea there were there were none. So I was the world's first. And it was, for about two weeks, I was like a dog with a bone, forever asking, well, come on, give us a hint <laughs> about where this might go. And then um, I thought, right, I need to get clever. So uh, I came across to South Australia to learn laughter yoga. That's the fun you're having when you're not really having fun. Came back and I had a friend who had a rest home, had no idea what I was going to do. But I said to her, I'd really love to come and do a pilot. Um, in this aged care facility and um, I have no idea where this is going to go, are you up for it? And she said, yes. So I did a three month program uh, with these elderly residents Um, half an hour a day for 90 days and at the end of that time accredited them as New Zealand's first accredited laughter facility under my banner. (coughs) They went on to achieve a world record in the Guinness Book of Records for laughing continuously for one hour. I didn't want anyone to pass away in that experience, so we did it in rounders, (laughs) just to be gentle. (laughs) Um, And at the end of that period, I thought, I walk away from this and, well, perhaps a big realisation before we move on. In that time, I was still heavily grieving and I would often be crying on the way to be, be running that that little workshop. But when I walked in, those 29 residents loved me, people aged 65 to 105, no judgement. Mm-hmm. They just knew the lady. I had uh, a signature hat then and they just knew the lady with the hat was coming and uh, we're going to laugh and um, they'd end up waiting at the door, you know. Oh, here she comes. She's coming. (laughs) And I just really, I was uh, humbled, really, Mm -hmm. because I'd reached, you know, um, in the past various levels of great success, but here here I was now Back to, it almost felt like starting again.
0: That's what I was thinking.
1: But I got it.
0: Reinvention. I got, got it, you know. You this time. You got they, your learning lesson,
1: right? They, they showed me, you know. At a time when I th- my family hadn't talked since 1989, um, partner had left, everything that I knew had dissolved. And yet here were these 29 people, no questions. It was like just... Um, This face value acceptance. Um, And in the face of my position, which was pretty low, (laughs) um, I did this with them and their spirits were, were lifted and they took back their power. And, you know, there was huge learning in that 90 days and I said to the owner afterwards, I want to do a 12-month program now using Professor Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligence. I want to assess the residents and the staff and let's build an activities program um, that delivers into all of those intelligences. So we did that. And over that time frame, four of those elderly people came off long-term antidepressants. Wow. And I just really saw... Um, they had become passive recipients of whatever you want to do. Like, it wasn't a bad facility. It was great. But people, as they get older and are placed in those settings, it kind of invites it, you know. Mm. So they just surrender. Well, it's not even surrender, really. They just give up. (laughs) And um, a
0: lot of them, I trust me that that's one thing you, you you spawned a really interesting question because I've learned a lot. My grandmother was in those care facilities. My mom was in those last two years of her life, multiple um multiple care facilities, and I learned a lot from talking to the people there. what did you what did you personally learn, Pat, from talking to the elderly people about life? What were some of the messages they gave you that you kind of just like, you know wow, I didn't expect to hear that, but I'm so glad I heard it and that's something that you've used.
1: One of the things we did was a 10-week rhythm therapy program and there was one lady there who was a burnt out alcoholic and the staff used to joke she's only got two neurons left and periodically they meet and there's a bit of a spark. Not really funny but um, her, her her limitations were great and on the fourth rhythm therapy lesson we were drumming and she got a rhythm And something happened. She just lit up. And at the end of the session, she came to me and she said, and she hardly ever said a full sentence. She said, I'd like to ring my ex on Waiheke Island. And I'm like, of course. So we ring him. She said, will you stay with me, please? Of course. Um, And she talks to him. And she said, I know you still visit occasionally. She said, but I don't want you to come anymore. For years, I stood by and let you sexually abuse my daughter. I was in such a drunken stupor all those years. Um, And essentially, now we're done. Gets off the phone. Can I now speak to a minister? Of course, get a minister in. Um, And I stayed until the minister left. And when she came, I should mention, she used to always suffer anxiety attacks, minister leaves. And when she came out from her room, she had reverted to that former self. So in that four-hour period, um, her body and her mind, her consciousness, that opened up to receive profound healing and to have her initiate that and um be a demand for what she wanted in her life, even though in her physical self, she didn't have many neurons left that would allow for her to be fully functional. She had to be reminded how to use a knife and fork. Um, and the point of sharing that story is she never suffered with another anxiety episode, although she did shut down again. Oh, but see yeah. that? That's by merit of her physical state. Mm. Mm. So there's 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 something that was divine intervention, which came through resonance, vibration, and res- resonance of that musical thing, uh, and there was uh, something that opened not just her, but that there and there were many other stories of. Um, those elderly people who come through that time frame don't talk about their grief and loss. So, you know, there were 29 stories of grief and loss that, that all came forward. So I just, over that 15 month period with those residents was able to draw, I was a nurse for 16 years. So draw from my nursing experience, what I thought I would bring forward for Joyology. And while I didn't want to deliver into aged care, specifically um, I just saw from that whole capsule because I worked with the staff as well um, this is it you know we we touched the bare bones of all the angst of all their lives and we were present to each other irrespective of age or circumstance in a way they had never experienced
0: so beautiful so profound I mean, that's. I mean, just think about every step in your life, Pat. Every momentous opportunity of of triumph, of failure, of being down, of having gone through all the different things in your life, for you to create that program and impact those lives is just absolutely magnificent. I just applaud you. I think that's. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Our elderly don't get the care. They don't get the attention they deserve. Um, I mean, I can tell so many stories of things that I that I experienced and saw and heard. In those places, that is just downright devastating. I mean, there was one lady there. She had st- suffered a stroke. She was in the room with my mom. My mom was like, you know, old and frail and, you know, on her way out, let's be honest. And this, I was like, what's this deal? And I asked my mom, I said, what's her deal? And she's like, oh, she had a stroke. And I'm like, does she have family around? She goes, oh, yeah, they live in Temecula, which is like probably an hour and a half, maybe from where that was. And like, do they ever come to see you? I'm like, no. I was just like, wow, and just realizing how many people just get dumped off into these places, mm-hmm. and that you know, that's one of the fears that I know a lot of some of my friends have is like, you know, what's going to happen to me when I get older? Am I going to be dumped off in one of those places? Um, so I think that's I think it's absolutely amazing that you contributed to their their um, their opportunities and their successes in your unique way. I mean, that's that is something that's phenomenal. One thing that I really want to um, that want to understand from your perspective, since we dove into that, is that whole point of suffering and self sabotage and not feeling like we deserve or, you know, not feeling like we, we love ourselves enough to even put ourselves in that spot to be successful. Talk to us about that. You know, is there, is there, is there something that stems from childhood that keeps us in more of a victim mindset than being in our own unique special mindset like you found?
1: Yeah, look, I think, I think the language that we use, um, we can't predict the effect it will have. Um, I always wanted to be an artist. I excelled at art and I excelled at dressmaking 100% uh, all the time. And I wanted to go on and do an arts degree. And my mother said, well, that's lovely, dear, but I think you should get a proper job. And so I went nursing. Um, Now, no accidents there because I'm totally happy with the evolution of my compassionate self. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, you know, there's not a lot of scope for creativity. At the bedside, <laughs> you know, well, you can't.
0: Pat Adams, Pat Adams, Monday,
1: right. <laughs> oh, well, yes. Um, and I did do that. The um, I don't know if I've mm. ever shared with you, but the very first man I ever bedbathed was a man by the name of Bob Hall, and a construction crane had fallen on Bob. 35 broken bones, he was literally flattened, wow. brought into casualty, and they pretty much stood around the table and said, He's not going to make it. So he was still alive four hours later, and they dared take him to theatre, fearing he'd die on the table. So Bob didn't die on the table, and they're trundling him back to the recovery ward, and the conversation then shifted, and they said, poor beggar, he'll probably be a vegetable. So Bob woke up in recovery, much to everyone's amazement, and revealed, indeed, he wasn't a vegetable. (laughs) So the conversation changed again, and they said, well, he'll never walk. Bob Hall was in hospital the whole three years of my general nurse training. I saw Bob Hall every single day, whether I was rostered on his floor or not. And um, he walked on two sticks to my graduation ceremony, stood up the back, and when the ceremony proper was over, he waved one of those sticks and said, "I've actually got something I'd like to say," and comes forward and. I'm starting to tremble in my boots a bit because my mother's sitting in the front seat there. <laughs> and he had this big scroll, about three feet long, and he started reading off all the tricks and pranks and the things that I dared do to him over that three years. Yeah, I, spent of, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in matron's office. Um, and when he was finished, he turned to me and he said, you don't know what you did, Pat. And I got it on one level. I would have been 21 then, but I at the t- in 2000 when all of those losses happened, that's when I really got it. Oh, I man. knew back then I learned what it meant to be committed, although I wasn't particularly conscious about it in the way that I can be now. So I turned up for that man every day. Right. He went home for the odd weekend, but I turned up for him every day and was my natural impish self, even though it got me into trouble. No one was harmed mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and I just marveled at that, but not really until the year 2000 and um, and then a few years on from that when geology got going and... I started to get lots of bookings and things happening. Sally Anderson, as you know, was my coach. And uh, one day she said to me, So, how many endorsements have you got, Pat? And I'm like, Oh, um, 5,000. <laughs> she said, So, when will it ever be enough?
0: Oh, Sally Anderson question. Bam. Mm, yeah. Mic drop. Sally Anderson. Yeah. That's a mic, by the way, guys. That's a yeah. Mic, that's a mic drop. <laughs> That's a mic drop, Yeah. How yeah. did you feel about being asked that question?
1: Oh, uh, look, it woke me up. You know, that 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 child who had always wanted mother's attention. I got about 17 certificates and I'd show them to mum and I'm sure she did appreciate on some level, but I just didn't receive mm-hmm. the demonstrative um Show of affection <laughs> that I was you're desiring, kidding. so it was like, oh, that's not good enough. Oh, well, how about this one? <laughs> this one any better? Um, and then, and that carried over into, into you know, other aspects. And you know, I'd present and get all these accolades, and um, I've got them in folders. <laughs> um, but what about those still... accolades
0: now?
1: Oh, look, I've no, got. No, not where you're at. You know I'm gobsmacked. It's like Pat, you, you weren't you weren't really present to those. Not really. I mean, you were, but not really. It's like now I um some of those people still and they're from New Zealand. Uh t- 20 years have stayed in touch. Right? Oh, yeah. I had a, a call from the first big conference I did in New Zealand. Every other woman on the bill was very, very well off. I was just starting out, world's first geologist, uh, had to borrow 500 bucks to have a display table. Um, and the organizer of that conference rang me just before last Christmas and she said, Pat, I need you to know, she said, I've been looking for you for a while. She said, remember that bucket and spade you gave me? I give every conference organizer a bucket of a bucket and spade before I begin <coughs> saying, um, I'd like to thank you for letting me come play in your sandpit. Uh,
0: wow, and I give cool. them
1: some acknowledgement. Wow. <clears throat> she said, I've still got my bucket in spade. And, and it's full of jokes and one-liners and um, novelty things that I've collected over the years. So our capacity with our language and our creative expression creates uh, lessons that will last a lifetime. Mm. and i okay. just really got it you know the that capacity has been with me all the time and sally anderson um f- for years would say to me look what you've done when you haven't really had full access
0: you know mm-hmm. what are you
1: going to create you can't see um, the
0: when you're in the frame yeah. that's, that's one thing i've always stuck in my brain is that exact thing pat is you can't you can't see the picture when you're in the frame and it takes it takes that transformation it takes that out of out of the normal experience, out of the comfort zone experience, that 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 being born again in a way, you know, isn't that that's kind of I mean, it's a very religious thing to say, but I think about you know my resurrection. Oh, that sounds bad too. I'm putting all these words together. It's not like I'm talking out of the Bible. Um, (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, let's get up into the pulpit. No, um, but seriously, we get kind of reborn. We get reborn into the person that we should have been originally where we got all fucked up from all the childhood trauma and other, you know, opinions and shit that got placed on us that that kind of put us into our little thing. Because I could totally identify with what you're saying. I was just telling the story to somebody the other day. How many times I had to beg my mom. I mean, I was a seventh grade homeless dropout living in the backseat of a station wagon. Seventh grade dropout, stupid, all these different things. Mom, I'm going to go back to school. get my GED. Yeah, yeah, whatever mom, I got my GED. I'm going to go to school and I get my AA degree. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Hey mom, I'm gonna graduate. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work. Hey mom. And I got my bachelor's degree. I'm gonna graduate. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work. And I had to beg her each time. Mom, I got a master's degree. You don't even have one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work. Mom, you better be there. Otherwise I'm never going to speak to you again. Mom showed up. Um, yes, but I could, I could totally understand that. But when you let go of that, like we have, I mean, of course, you're always going to want some sort of affection. You're going to want some sort of accolades. You're going to want some sort of feedback to let you know that you're, what you're doing is really making an impact and that you can, you can make a living off of that, obviously. What do you say to people who are so stuck in their comfort zone? They're so stuck in their identity of what it is that they are. They're, they're what I term now as comfortably miserable. That's the way I think about myself in the corporate life. I had a great paycheck, great office, great team, great, 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 comfy, 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 comfy easy, easy, easy. Bam. I was comfortably miserable. What do you say to people who are in that situation right now who want to break out of that, but just don't know where to start?
1: Um, I've done lots of training in different areas. Um, NLP, M-braining, the multiple braining, working with head, heart, and gut brain. Um, However, mostly now I work intuitively. So I remember uh, working with a lady who had separated from a husband, who's about 12, 15 months ago. And she, um, was understandably still very upset, and she kept talking about how beautiful this man, her husband, whom she'd moved away from, was, um, you know, extolling just his beauty and the wonder of, of him as a, you know, a person, and it just struck me, I'll bet he's gay, and so I had the courage to, when that thought came in, I just gave expression to that, and she got it, and and it was true. And now they enjoy this incredible relationship, um, which is not, you know, what they both envisaged at the time. But they they're both living very, very authentically, um, and you know, caring for their shared children um, in a manner which wasn't going to happen until, until the, you know, the this is you know for me it's full authentic expression and sometimes we can help people see what they can't see so and i think that's um uh, a gift that i do have the um to be able to show people you know what New zealand has for the last 20 years had the highest incidence of youth suicide in the world consistently whoa it's a beautiful country. Why is it so? Well, we can't answer all of the things around that. But when I, I lived in New Zealand for 20 years, and one of the things I said nearly every presentation was, "Who are we being that our young people look out and don't see hope?" Yes. You know, we've we've mm-hmm. got to be trying to get this other view, another perspective. When I got present to my life, 2000, 2001 challenge and support came side by side in the previously they probably were a little bit far apart challenge oh wait a little while oh here's support but once I committed everything that comes up now I'm going to go to it and I am committed you know this was a God-given message joyology you know we're going to make this thing happen so there was challenge and support in my awareness and paradox and synchronicity and now that level of synchronicity is huge I'm just writing my story and there's three four five hundred stories of where I've stepped out and I have a story to tell about the day the day I got my warrant of fitness on my car you know (laughs) just all these um Uh, different things because I'm present to my life. And when we step out and we're in that space, uh, and it doesn't really matter if you're not vibrating too highly and beautifully, it's about being present, then um, those who are in our radar will resonate. One time, uh, and it was about a warrant of fitness, they said, oh, look, we're going to be about an hour and a half You go and get a coffee and we'll call you. So I'm fairly short, five foot three, and I've got on these beautiful high-heeled sandals and off I teeter (laughs) on the way to the nearest cafe. Get a blister by the time I got there. So order the coffee, whisper to them, I don't suppose you guys have got a Band-Aid. She gives me a Band-Aid. I pop all my things on the table, sit down to put the Band-Aid on my affected foot and I look up. And there standing in front of me is this beautiful man dressed in cream, and he's holding my shoe a bit like this. Hmm. And he says, yours, madam? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is him. This is the one. (laughs) This is the guy. (laughs) He said, do you know, the last time we did this, it was a glass slipper. And I'm like, it is the one. (laughs) It is you. (laughs) And then he said, and you know where that ended, don't you? And I'm like, and then out of the the side came a very beautifully manicured hand, took him by the ear and pulled him away. And I had to chase him to get my shoe out of his hand. So he did have a wife. (laughs) Mm. Um, Mm. But those kinds of things happen when we step out present and in intention. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't set an intention for that to occur, but I was present at each little step of the way. And it's like all these possibilities seem to fold in. And, you know, we can move through those varying mood levels, if you like, mm-hmm. but they're not the important thing. The important thing is being in that space of intention and being present to it all, in my view.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What you say reminds me of something that I was just rehearsing in the in my mind earlier today. Um, the fact that I certainly believe that life happens for us and not to us. That all of these different events that have happened in your life, that happened in my life, that happened in Robert's life, and Scott and Teresa. Thank you guys all so much for being here. I um I apologize. I haven't paid any attention. I've been still listening to you. I haven't paid attention to which one <laughs> I'm over here. I want to thank Robert for writing a uh, very lengthy post. I'm gonna to have to go back and when I have my glasses on, Robert, I'll be able to read all of that um but robert robert's awesome he's a great supporter what's up scott Goya? my brother from another mother pamela aubrey she says she says wow this is sounding quite familiar i started out in nursing as well even though i dreamed awesome. of art i loved doing home-house. oh oh pamela we have to talk <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely yep and she's she's on a journey um yeah hello scott angel good to see you teresa's here you guys are fantastic Um, let's see. Robert says on Sunday, I was awarded the scholarship for Ken Wall's grow live Academy, a full membership for doing my thing and being an engagement amplifier. Yes, you are. You are. What's up. Uh, Dindo Toledo. Hey, Chris, what's happening. I hope I pronounced your name right. Ah. uh, what's going on. What's going on. Robert, he says, good morning. So where are you at Dindo? Um, so I want to say thank you guys so much for being here and, and commenting on this. Um, can't remember what my thought was before I started going into all that. But, um, you know, one of the things that I think about right now, Pat, is the future. You know, I mean, we've talked a lot about the past. We talked a lot about what got you to be here, what what got me to be here, you know, in the interest of time, because we can sit here and talk about things forever. What can we what can we say to people who are really hurting and suffering and struggling right now? Like I said before, with the identity, with everything that's happened this year, how can we effectively break it down and keep it simple that we could say, okay, listen, if you do these three things now in preparation for 2021, I mean, we've got still got a little bit of time. What three things would you say to people to set them up for success in
1: 2021? I think, uh, oh gosh, there's a lot. Um, I, I think for me, I got present to my life And when I got present, things started to happen. I've been journaling for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So to put your thoughts on the page is probably one of the most wondrous things you can do. Don't go back and read. Don't read tomorrow. Don't read what you wrote today. Leave it (laughs) and, you know, revisit in a few months or a year even. Um, So being able to journal is like tidying your desk. You know, once you put your thoughts on the page, everything is straightened and lined up and a lot neater and you can enter the day with with a, a clear view. It's not cluttered with, you know, the car's not going and how am I supposed to do X, Y, Z. It's like you've put all that on the page. And for me, it's the same with my art. You know, I painted a, a piece of art early in the COVID experience called Entanglement. And I'll share with you um, when, when this is posted, uh, a couple of other pieces of art that followed from that profound, it's like, so that piece cleared the space for some other wonder to come through. I made a plan in 2004 with Sally Anderson, uh, a 20 year plan and right across the whole spectrum of all my, uh, you know, Wheel of Life parameters um, and am rolling that out still. Most have been achieved, some are not. What hasn't been achieved? In there, I wrote that perhaps one day I would develop a school of creativity. So, more recently, um, you might have already come across Alatura Creative Society, Mm -hmm. uh, a new group who are putting forth a, a way that we might be in the world. So we've, we've got to look for like-minded. Um, where's my tribe? Most people before COVID, COVID didn't create this, but before COVID, so many of the people I've seen in the last 20 years have, even if they've got a lot of things going on that are good, they have a hollow. And that hollow has never been filled by stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think that hollow has been a part, it's like an unawakened aspect of soul. And so, you know, hence my desire for full creative expression. We honour sport and we honour academia, but we don't honour intrapersonal uh, intelligence, creative intelligence, spirit, in anywhere near the same fashion. And when we get, um, expressed in some of those, then we find a lot more places to hang our courage hat on. You know, it, it just feels like I can even feel it in my body. Um, the This natural capacity I have to be creative, and it's not just about being an artist. That's part of it. But um, we are creative beings, but we've become... You know, we've uh, hooked into a cog, and we have the weekends off, and we do Monday to Friday, and and oh, no we good. cycle. And Thursday night we do the groceries, and Saturday we, you know, do the washing, and he plays golf, and the kids play sport, and oh, we repeat all next week. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and now that now there's an even bigger gap, so we have to find a way to fill that gap. For me, I know my two peak moments. One is when the lights go on, uh, if I'm speaking and the lights go on for someone in the room, there's my moment. And then my other moment is when I'm painting and I don't need anybody, All right? I'm at one totally with myself in that creative space. So I think everyone needs to know your two peak moments and if you don't know right now, you know, start questioning, peak you moment. know, So, where do I need, where do I not need anybody?
0: Absolutely. So
1: in that, in that presenting, I do need the audience, but I'm only needing them to see if what I'm doing is working. In the beginning, I probably needed them because they're giving me 5,000 endorsements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Just> yeah. <by laughs> um, so so now it's um, very much more centred towards um, the shift and the change. And people, if you've got a story, people need to hear it. Yeah. They so need to hear it. I remember once sharing that I'd written a book and I had a lovely little sports car um, and things were going well in my, you know, uh, geology work, but I was still actually, I'd spent a whole year in my overdraft. And a woman in the audience came afterwards and she said, you've no idea what you've done for me. We sat at the table last night and said, we've done all we can. We're going to have to sell the house. She said, but when you told me about, you know, your story and, uh, you know, you've got all the trappings, but (laughs) Um, she said, I'm going home and we're going to sit at the table tonight and I'm going to find a way.
0: Boom. I'm gonna find a way. No excuses. Unstoppable. Yeah. Yes. 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 You mm. find a way. You find a way. And you she did. It. And she did. <laughs> See, I mean, that's 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 what yeah. I say all the time, Pat. I tell people <clears throat> like this. This will be about. This be my last question to you because um, I was gonna ask it earlier, and I'm glad I remembered. You know, when I think about the successes in my life and the things that didn't go as successful as I wanted them to be, when I look back at some of those situations, I look back and I'm like, did I give my best? And then I caught myself not too long ago, a couple of years ago. And I muttered as I was putting my wallet up on the the dresser and everything. I'm like, well, I did the best I could. And I'm like, well, what is my best? How do I define my best? What is, I mean, then I started picking it apart as I always do. And I pick it apart in my brain. Like I, I carry it back all the way to childhood. And I'm like, okay, childhood, Christopher, did you do the best you could? Yeah, I did. I did it the best I could. Okay. We'll do better next time our best is never identified in that situation. Better is never identified. All we know is I didn't get out. I didn't get into trouble. And all I had to do was say a couple of words. And so then we, we carry that into our life and it's like, okay, did I do enough? was it good enough. I have a, I'm working on this. I'm, I'm a very visual person and I've got these buttons. Are you going to press the good enough button? Or are you going to, are you going to press the, are you your fucking best button? That's how, you know, everybody's got their, are you fucking best button? And I was like, okay, how do I get that button? I got mm-hmm. I to gotta, I gotta associate it with pain. I can't associate it with anything that's like material. Like I can't associate it with like a, a dream house. For me, I have to associate it with pain. So it's like, okay, if somebody said, Chris, you know, what do you need for your business? Okay, I need a $20,000 investment so I can get off the ground. Okay, so what are you going to find $20,000? I don't know. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. I, maybe I could do a GoFundMe, Maybe I could do this. Click, puts a gun to my son's head and says, if you don't come up with $20,000 by the end of the week, I'm going to pull a trigger. You can't do anything. that's illegal, immoral, or unethical. I just got really creative and I just got really resourceful, really. I'm going to go stand out on street corners. I'm going to do a GoFundMe. I'm going to, I'm going to write a book in three days and try to sell the damn thing. I'm going to do whatever it takes (laughs) to meet that goal. And that's what I'm so fascinated with, Pat, is getting people to find that, find that best. What is that best for you? How do you define your best?
1: I think, um, I love, I I love my creative expression, like my artful expression. And my art is informed by my encounters with humanity. I remember perhaps 10 years ago, I made a piece of art painting an old fashioned lectern. And uh, the question that I, I was looking to answer was, am I a speaker who paints or am I an artist who speaks? So of course I was both. Um, mm-hmm. Like there was no, no distinction. So I think, um, when my mother passed away, <clears throat> my sister said to me, oh, "The best thing that ever happened to you was mother's inheritance," and I thought, "Actually, no, it wasn't," mm, <laughs> and, wow. and I had a story you know. um, And the story is about a little boy in Grafton, New South Wales, who had leukaemia, always wanted to be a ranger. He was about 11. Um, He was not going to live. Uh, He was like in his last, um, you know, he was not going to get any more chances after this, you know, once his condition declined this time. And so he loved wildlife. Want to be a ranger. So I arranged for the National Parks group to make him a ranger outfit. I got all the wildlife carers in the district. Christmas Day we met him with Santa and Mrs. Claus in the forest, truck with Christmas tree, hundreds of presents and all these wildlife carers with animals to, to give this child an experience of nursing a koala, a kangaroo, and all manner of wildlife, that's right up there with um, that's my that's my ingenious, you know. The to be able to <laughs> Sally Anderson would say you're a consummate enroller, Pat dead, You just don't get it.
0: <laughs> that sounds exactly what, like what Sally was saying.
1: Consummate. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's um Yeah, and
1: the and ideas. When when I started Joyology, I thought, well, girl, if you think you're gonna make this happen, you're gonna need some strong support. And I had heard about the MD of Saatchi and Sachi Auckland. And so I dared to approach him. No idea what I was gonna talk to him, but in the in the mail came a bottle of Dettol, a little sample. Um uh, you know Dettol. You have Hole over there. Uh, antiseptic. Oh, yeah. Yep. A little antiseptic Potential. bottle. Yep. Um, so I took that, a couple of cotton buds, a makeup sponge and a Band-Aid, wrapped it in clear cellophane, put it in a little treasure chest. And when I met Mike, the MD of Saatchi, um, he lifts it out and he says, um, what's this, Pat? <laughs> and I said, well, Mike, I'm not here to sponge off you, but I do have the germ of an idea. It has a couple of applications, and I don't want it to be a Band-Aid job. Blah, Dang. blah, blah. Joyology.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Love it. That is so creative.
1: And, you know, I asked him two questions. Will you be my mentor, and will you help me get funding? First five minutes, done deal.
0: Just got to ask.
1: So, and we've got a. We've, uh, you know, what happened that day, or what happened in the week before, that got a bottle of disinfectant, and to seed the idea. So, my mind's like a pinball parlor, right? There are lights in there, and flippers, flat. You know, know. (laughs) she's full on. Mm -hmm. Um, And for everything anyone ever tells me, I've got an idea. And we all have that capacity, but we've got to we've got to foster and build that. And for me, for me, I've always had it, but improv acting helped me incredibly the last 20 years.
0: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Thinking on your feet, thinking on your feet, you know, having to come up with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. Exactly. It's so engaging. It's so exciting. You never know what you're going to do. Me and my buddy used to do that quite a bit. We would be out out in public and he would just like, so Bob, how does it feel to be out of jail? I'm like, wow, Greg, (laughs) I don't know. But man, your sister, man, when she pulled out that shotgun and she blew off the neighbor's head, Oh my, yeah. Oh my God. You know, we just, we would just sit there and riff off and mostly we would scare the hell out of people around us. Uh, but it was just so much fun just being, you know, again, being playful like we should be um, which is so massively important too. And we could sit there and we could talk about all sorts of yeah. things. We're going to have to come back on the show. Um, but out of respect for everybody's time here, I want to kind of keep it to an hour where can people can carry the conversation on with you, Pat? Cause I know that Pamela, that you should definitely connect. I got to get you connected with Patricia. You guys, she's an artist. She's a speaker. She's an author. And so I love how you said that on both. Um, so where can people get a hold of you and continue the conversation?
1: Uh, well, joyology.co.nz is my um, website. So uh, there's a range of information on there and um, can, you know, access me by email. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn as Pat Armstead
0: absolutely and i apologize i normally have that populated in here and i just realized that's the one thing i forgot to do before doing the show like i normally (laughs) do um yes pamela says yes would love to connect um pamela and i do pamela and i do a show every thursday every other thursday night called rainbows in real life so rainbow she's the rainbow and i'm the real life of course um where i'm i'm working on her i'm gonna get i'm gonna change it to like maybe like rough rainbows in real life so it's gonna be it's gonna be a little (laughs) bit different uh but yeah so i do a show with her she's become a dear friend of mine and then also scott was in here scott scott glad is my other fellow co-host that uh, we do our friday night show so the untethered experience we'd love to have you on that be a lot of fun um but thank you so much pat for bringing your brilliance bringing your radiance bringing your honesty your transparency your congruency your passion your uniqueness to this conversation. That's what I love about doing Ron and scripted is to be able to have those conversations and share with everybody else, how it is, it is, is more than okay to fly your free flag, to be who you are at your core because all those vibrations and everything else that comes back on that is just icing on the cake um, when you do that. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Hang on one second. I'm going to put you backstage and I'm going to close out the show and then you and I can talk in just a second, but uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hey, Um, thank you so much for all, again, all the comments, um, Teresa, thank you so much for being here. Um, Robert, you are, I'm going to literally have to go back and read yours, uh, read your, uh, your books. I can relate. The thing I celebrate is going off on tangents. They take me to some amazing places. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, um, that's what, uh, thank you. Thank you, Pam. You rock, you rock. Um, you know, that's what life is about, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the title of the show was called reinvention. Reinventing, you know, and in a sense, when I was thinking about the title of it, because I try to do those one-word titles, and, I, and sometimes it's a little challenging. I'm like reinventing. We have to reinvent our belief system. We have to reinvent our mindset. We have to reinvent what our terminologies really are with the words we use. If you guys have been watching me for any period of time, you, th- you it's, you'll see that I'm getting really keen on defining what it is that we're talking about. Right. So when you say you did the best you could, let's dig into that. What is your best? What is your best? Is it that gun to your kid's head that's going to say, "I'm going to do whatever it takes"? That's not illegal, immoral, or unethical, to f- to figure out and make it happen. What is that for you? My goal as a coach, as the No Excuses Coach, and everything that I do, my goal is to dig deep and to figure out what it is that screws us up, so I can come back and tell everybody, "Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting there." I mean, a lot a lot of it is from our childhood. A lot of it is from the definitions of the words we use. So I I ask you guys to really take to heart how you speak to yourself. Pat did an amazing job saying that. Like be careful the language that you use because it has repercussions, it has vibrations, it has frequencies, and it will either support a belief system that's not working for you, or your thoughts will will support a belief system that does. And that is all about choice. That is all about again, is life happening for you or to you? Am I a victor or am I a victim? Sometimes you need to go back in your journey in your childhood and this is something that Scott and I have been doing in our group coaching program. Is really saying, okay, where am I at in the forgiveness journey? Where am I at in the empathy journey for my past? Because before, I want you guys to going off into 2021 and thinking about that. I want you to put a put a bow on your past. Your past is just electrical energy in your brain. You cannot go anywhere in your past. It is gone. It is just poof. Now you have the choice. You honestly have the choice. You can go to the accountability mirror and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to choose to see this experience as something that's happened for me. I'm not sure exactly what the meaning is. I'm gonna go hire Chris and we're gonna figure that out, but I'm gonna say that happened for me. And from this point forward, I'm gonna determine what my best is. I'm gonna determine what my legacy is. I wanna determine what my passions are. I'm gonna determine what I'm not willing to tolerate anymore. I could do a whole show on tolerations. What are you tolerating? Well, I tolerated this. List out everything you're tolerating. And if it's over 30, that's why you're miserable. Cut half of those out immediately. You don't need to have them and watch your life change. So again, making amends finding out who you need to forgive do you need to forgive yourself for something you know sometimes we think we've forgiven ourselves and we pack it nicely neatly in a box within a box within a box in a crate in a shipping container somewhere off in our brain that we think we're never going to need to access again but have you really forgiven have you really given empathy to the people who have wronged you in your life and try to understand why where were they coming from what happened to them as little boys and girls that caused them to be so screwed up how can i find a little forgiveness in my heart for that situation. Have I become stronger for that? Have I better become a better, better parent for having gone through that? Yeah. I mean, I look at all the physical and emotional abuse I went through as a little kid and now my whole focus is on being the best damn parent I can. So I've taken something that was shitty and I focus on making something good. So for you guys and reinventing yourselves, go back to what it is that you believe in. What are your beliefs? What are your values? What are your truths? What are things that are non-negotiables? And look, at: are you tolerating some things that are non-negotiables? Are you having that incongruency in your life? And then what I want you to do is I want you to sit there and say, okay, for 2021, here are my three things. Here are my three things, not five things, not 10 things. Here are the three areas of my life that I'm going to focus on most. And here are the three things within that, that I can get started on today to get me prepared for that. That's the basis of goal setting. You just start putting things into motion. You start having that belief system. You know what? 2021 is not going to be a repeat of 2020. I don't care what it takes. You start having that mindset, you start getting hungry, you start working out, you start eating better, you start drinking water, you start taking more deep breaths. You start, you know, start your morning off at five o'clock with some meditation, some exercise, and some reading in a personal development book. You've not got your first hour knocked out. How do you spend your hour now? Do you wake up and look at your phone and go, well, that's shitty, that's shitty, that's shitty. Oh, look at that, look at that, 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 that. fuck, crap, crap, fuck, crap, oh shit, fuck. And then you put your phone down, then you get started with your day, like I wonder what's gonna happen today, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I love you guys. I love you guys. So, thank you again for tuning in. Um, again, I'm here for you reach out. I'm still doing the free complimentary coaching calls. Hit me up. I'll send you my calendar. We'll talk. We'll have a great conversation, set you off in the direction I need you to go for 2021. And if you're at all interested, we've got our group coaching program opening up again, starting in January with myself and Scott raise your vibration coaching. We're just getting done with the 12th week of our current program and having an absolute blast seeing the transformation, in the people that we're working with with Scott and I combining our styles has just been phenomenal. It's been a, it's just been a huge gift for me to see his coaching style for him to see mine. And just to impact all these other people so we put that out there for you as an offer to catapult yourself into whatever it is you want to achieve in 2021 i'm here to help you make that happen and i love you guys you are all fantastic um and uh remember stay classy stay kick-ass and we will see you next time on the ron and scripted Show.